Welcome to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Polly Jean Harrison, Features Editor at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Francis Bignall and I'm a journalist at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Tyler Smith and I'm a journalist at the Fintech Times. Hello, 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 and welcome back once again to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. The sun is shining, it's a new week, and we're here to talk about fintech. Uh, Francis, Tyler, how are you guys doing? Tyler, I know you've literally just got back from uh, Saudi Arabia. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Polly. I'm doing really well. I've got quite a lot of jet lag, you could say. Um, But yeah, it was a really, really amazing experience at Leap. Uh, we we went to Riyadh as part of a press trip and it was, uh, yeah, it was really great. It was really great. Really, really good event. Uh, yeah. How, how's everybody else? Hey guys, it's good to be back again. Um, yeah, it's been a, a relatively sw- slow week for me. I've been under the weather with tonsillitis for the past week, but I'm finally sort of on the mend with antibiotics. So all good in that regard and looking forward to talking fintech with you guys today. Uh, amazing stuff. So what are you guys going to be talking about today? Francis, what's your topic? My topic of the discussion today is going to be on the Nigerian Naira currency and the proposed, well, it's not really proposed, I, I guess. It's the the actual exchange of old notes and the redesign and with the new ones and sort of how effective and how good this this whole initiative is going to be. Awesome. And Tyler, what are you going to be discussing? Well, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a retrospective uh, at Leap 23 this year. I was there for, for three days. I'm just going to share a little bit about what I learned. Uh, what about you, Polly? Yeah, I'm going to be looking at Fintech Australia's new ecosystem map, uh, which is very exciting. Uh, but um, Tyler, why don't you go first and let us know a bit about what you've been up to over the past couple of days? Oh, okay, great. Thank you, guys. Um, well, yeah, so as I, as I mentioned, I've been in, in Riyadh in, in Saudi Arabia. I left on Sunday and I got back at, well, at the time of recording, uh, I, I got back at 5 a.m. Uh, into London Heathrow. And yeah, so now I'm here. In terms of what happened at the event, it was super, super interesting, like really blew me away. I don't even know what I was expecting, but it surpassed my expectations by by miles. The, the event wasn't solely fintech. It wasn't just fintech. If you go to like Money 2020 or you go to, um, I guess, Cyboss in a way, they're, they're very like finance orientated, very fintech orientated. This was like a, a wider look at how Saudi Arabia is achieving its Saudi Vision 2030, which is part of like an economic framework to diversify its exports away from just oil. Uh, and they want to to do, I believe from the top of my head, they want to diversify it uh, away from 16% is what they're currently exporting in, in uh, fintech products to 50% uh, by the year 2030. So yeah, the, 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 um, the event was super, super interesting. One specific day of interest for me, uh, indeed was Wednesday, the, the third day that I was there. That was really the sort of fintech day that they were looking at it because obviously the industry is a major part of, of the Vision 2030. And it was really, really interesting. It was quite crypto based. And I was I was there, uh, you know, 
talking to people and listening to all the discussions on the stage and thinking, oh, Francis would really love this because it was so crypto and so digital assets that I thought, oh, I better, I better take all this back and, and share it with, with you, Francis. If anything's clear from uh, Leap 23 this year is that Saudi Arabia is on track to achieve this goal of theirs and really that technology will play a major part in that success. Um, we we met with a lot of really interesting fintechs. I met with people who were were startups. I met with a with a POS startup called Snap Retail, and they were from Pakistan, and they were really focusing on like underserved retailers and making sure that they had access to the financial tools they needed to to perform e-commerce and retail. That was really really cool. Um, I met with Teller. I met with their CEO Khalil. And he spoke a little bit about what they're doing in the region. And I also uh, caught up with a few London people as well. I, I caught up with with Derek from Pace Me, who uh, many of you might not know, but we, we share the same office building in London. So it was really good to see a familiar face there too. And speaking of familiar faces, I also uh, ran into our good friend, Lida Glyptis, who we've we've interviewed before on the FinTech Times, and she was doing a book signing of, uh, it's called Bankers Like Us, and she, she did a talk before she did the book signing, and essentially, in brief, what it was saying is that what she said in her book and what she said in the speech was that it wasn't the technology that was letting the banking side down it is that the banking sector is developing slower than than the the rest of the economy and she put this down really to leadership and to sort of human aspects and human interference within that digital transformation so it's really really interesting i i felt kind of sorry for her at the, at the end of her speech because she's like oh i'm gonna do the book signing now and she got absolutely swamped um so but she was all right in the end i i managed to to catch an interview with her afterwards and and she was really really excited and really confirmed that this this development is doing really well so so yeah um but it was yeah it was fantastic polly you're you're going to be doing a book review aren't you for our next newspaper i believe of of leader's book yes i am i have my lovely copy um that got delivered to me uh, just the other day so it's very exciting to be a reader. Like you say, Lisa's a very good friend of the Fintech Times um, and we've spoken to her very often. So it'll be great to uh, get more of her insights. Um, but it definitely sounds like you had a lot of interesting um, opportunities over in Saudi and definitely it was very worth your while going. I know it was a bit touch and go as to whether you were going to go because of your visa um, not coming in, but I'm, I'm very glad you did get to go in the end. Oh yes, it was fantastic, and that visa process was uh, was a quick turnaround. So thank you for the embassy for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's really you know we we write a lot about the KSA and how it's like, like transforming itself on like really every level of of its industries. And I think it was nice to go there and actually see it in motion. Uh, it, it was yeah really really super insightful for me. Yeah, I, I really really enjoyed it. So. We shall have to watch that space, I guess. Uh, what what have you guys got in store today? Yeah, no, going to all these events, you know, we like at the Fender Times, we do go to quite a few uh, different conferences and other events over all over the world. And you just learn so much. It's great to hear that you really got um, some new information, and new insight going uh, over to Saudi. But Francis, uh, why don't you uh, do your article? Because Saudi Arabia is slightly closer to 
Nairobi than we are. That's my tenuous link. So my article is going to be, as I mentioned earlier, on if the Naira's currency exchange deadline was essentially going to be long enough. And in October 2022, Nigeria's president, Mohamed Buhari, unveiled new Naira banknotes in a bid to combat counterfeiting the financing of terrorism and illicit stashes of cash. So the redesign of the 200, 500 and 1000 notes included a fixed 31st of January 2023 deadline for phasing out the old Naira banknotes and exchanging them for new ones. So already this was, I think it, it gave from the announcement of the of the redesign to the, the to the deadline, I think it was about three months. And in, this was already met with some criticism because people were saying it wasn't enough time and that, you know, well, the people also weren't understanding what the reason for the redesign was. So Godwin Emifile, the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria, he came forward in a in a statement and he explained sort of why the why the initiative and this redesign had taken place in the first place. He extended the deadline as well in this statement to by 10 days. But some still say this isn't long enough, and there have been reports of chaotic scenes at banks as people swap to queue banknotes. In Emifile's later statement, he thanked the president of Nigeria for his support of the initiative and explained that the policy started because only 500 billion of the 300, sorry, 3.23 trillion naira was in circulation within the banking industry, meaning that the people were holding the remaining 2.7 trillion in their homes. Of course, this isn't what what a government wants or what a, a financial, I suppose, ecosystem wants. And in his statement, Emma said, so far and since the commencement of this program, we have collected about 1.9 trillion naira. This leaves us about, uh, with about 900 billion to achieve effective distribution or sorry to collect and to achieve effective distribution of the new currency the cbm or central bank of nigeria i should say took various steps to to try and help the exchange take place and that was it implemented almost like these pop-up sort of i don't i don't want to say like stands or or something like that but that that was the the gist of it it was going to be that these banking parties were going to extend to sort of r- more rural areas and hard to reach areas in Nigeria where people previously wouldn't have been able to have access to a banking facility to exchange their notes he said we deployed 30,000 super, super agents nationwide to assist in its cash swap initiative in the hinterlands rural areas and regions underserved by banks in the country to ensure that the weak and vulnerable ones could swap their notes Amongst a, um, a bunch of other things in the statement, the, it was met with, again, some criticism because people weren't happy that the deadline was only 10 days. They believed it needed to be more. There's been some speculation that there are some political incentives at hand because there's going to be a, a, a new election or a, uh, an election taking place in Nigeria. And as such, people believe that to stop bribery or to stop, you know, that is one of the main things that, the the new naira notes are trying to to tackle however there's people have said that you know changing the notes isn't going to stop bribery it's just going to incentivize using you know dollars or or pounds or some other for bitcoin some other form of currency 
to sway people. It's not going to completely rule it out. However, Aisha Ahmad, the deputy, the deputy governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria, assured that this was not the case. But perhaps the most controversial thing about the whole Naira redesign has been the amount of notes that were printed. And of course, Nigeria is a country that's very digital first. And I, th I believe it, I can't remember where I saw it, but I think it was set to be the first cashless or truly sort of cashless economy i think by 2030 or by 2050 i can't remember where i read it but it was on track to be to be like that and i suppose in in trying to achieve this they set limits on how much or how many notes people could with, withdraw in addition to how many notes there would be in circulation period so originally in December, the CBN had ordered the printing of 500 million pieces of the new redesigned notes. However, when later, question, when later questioned, the, the representative didn't actually know how many had been printed in actuality. There, there was so much uproar that the CBN agreed that the, the withdrawal limit should be extended. Initially, Init uh, individuals could withdraw a hundred thousand naira, which was equivalent to about two hundred and twenty-two U.S. dollars at the official exchange rate per week, and corporations could withdraw five hundred thousand naira. But this was then later increased to five hundred thousand naira per week for individuals and five million for corporations. So, what I wanted to discuss with you guys really was: is this an effective method to achieving a cashless economy really because you know there's always people have these different notions or different ways of thinking that are going to bring in you know different i suppose that are going to incentivize digitization and you get that through new apps or you know just word of mouth people spreading that oh you know this is what i'm using this is what i'm doing but then the idea that you know if you just take cash away from people that might achieve that this seems to suggest that isn't the case but i wanted to get your thoughts on on what was happening uh polly i'll go to you first yeah it's a really interesting situation and i think one that hasn't necessarily come up uh before at least in not in the last couple of years obviously we've had um countries and, and different governments changing currency and changing the look of currency obviously in the uk we've experienced that ourselves um reasonably recently with the changeover to those like plasticky uh notes rather than the, the paper ones that we used to have uh but i think obviously that was slightly better managed than than what's happening here in um nigeria i think it uh, by the sounds of it it is been an organization issue right like they didn't give people enough time uh, to get sorted uh, they didn't print enough currency and it's all been a little bit um of a slight mess i think the the incentives um sorry not the incentives the intentions of the initiative are positive you know obviously anything that will help combat counterfeiting or combat financing terrorism or money laundering or anything like that is always going to be a good thing especially when we start thinking about cash and we're moving on to this like very digital landscape. This makes sense to me. I just think that the the practice hasn't necessarily worked in the way that they were hoping to. In that, you know, the whole point is to get money to people, and people have not been able to get money. 
Um, but obviously it has been a success in in some uh, areas, which I don't think you can diminish at all. I think it, I saw in the article it was a success rate of over 75% of the uh, 2.7 trillion outside the banking system has achieved um, a success rate. So uh, things like in the in Nigeria's rural villages and other areas have had the opportunity to swap their notes. However, I think it's just it's not been fully successful as is fairly obvious and you know the lack of supply is a significant issue as is the harsh deadline and just being accessible as a currency you know we talk a lot about sort of the accessibility of money and financial inclusion and ways that people are trying to help that and especially in an emerging economy like Nigeria you want to be able to you know really have that accessible nature and have that financial inclusion and help those unbanked people which there are a lot of so I think it's it's just one of those situations that has been slightly poorly managed but hopefully once the situation has kind of resolved itself which by the sounds of it is going to be hopefully pretty soon at least you know if if the deadline has been extended I don't think they're planning on extended again so hopefully everything gets resolved by then I think moving forward it shows a good example and a good case study of maybe how not to do things and hopefully would be a, a good benchmark for uh, b- both Nigeria wanting to change currency again in the future or other countries to maybe how not to do it and how to do it a little better. A hundred percent. And I mean, the thing is, is like you mentioned, well, a few things that you mentioned, Emma Fille has confirmed or claimed that there will not be a further extension past the 10th, which as of recording is tomorrow, actually, which is interesting. But I think one of the biggest problems is that there's been physical altercations between customers at banks and banks have had to shut down because there just hasn't been enough notes for them to exchange to people. And because of that, people who have had the old notes in their their accounts or they have all this money that they've been saving and then they're basically just being told your your wealth is now being made void. It's not going to be worth anything. And this has a knock-on effect on everyone as well, because as noted in the article, so tomato sellers, for example, who travel traveled to Lagos with their goods faced wasted product or faced wasted produce because people lack the money to buy it. It's really sort of a, a domino effect where sort of everyone seems to suffer from from bank all the way down to sort of the customer to the seller really like no one seems to benefit from from the way this has actually been executed but hopefully time will tell when once all the dust settles and you know the new currency is up and running hopefully things will be a little bit better tyler what are your thoughts i agree with polly i think that this whole deadline thing is very uh very short notice and i i think that is quite problematic i I would have maybe liked to see more of like a phased approach of the currency. I mean, as you said, Polly, we are experiencing a similar sort of thing here in the UK with with the changing of uh, our, our coins uh, with the monarch. So, um, yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. If we look at the, uh, what was it, the FIS World Play Global Report, uh, payments report for 2022, that found that in Nigeria, uh, 62% of POS payments are made with cash. So it seems like there really is a use of cash in Nigeria and it, it it is popular, which is why this deadline is such an issue, right? 
But if we look a little bit further into the timeline, we see how Nigeria has actually really sort of begun to crack down on on counterfeit. I mean, if we look from if we look from October last year, they they arrested two uh, counterfeiters uh, who allegedly had two hundred seventy thousand fake dollars uh, on them. Uh, a little bit uh, later than that, in November, the Nigeria Security and Civil Defense Corps uh, arrested a syndicate that that was faking uh, not Nigerian dollars but U.S. dollars um, as well, and that was, I believe, to the measure of fifteen thousand four hundred pounds, if my sources are correct. Um, so I think that they've it's been on their radar for a while, in in lots of different ways, in actively like cracking down on it. But I think this whole like you've got to change your currency right now. And also there's going to be printing problems. Like I, I think that's maybe not the best strategy to to achieve this. And I think it's hurting, as you said, France is hurting a lot of people. Um, but yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, that's my view, really. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well. Sort of everyone is suffering and it just hasn't really been the effective initiative it was meant to be, I suppose, really. Um, so Polly, I guess we'll, we'll finish off with your school. Yeah, we're really uh, bouncing all over the globe today. Uh, we're heading to Australia now uh, with my story. So Fintech Australia um, has launched its newest resource for the sector, which is a map detailing the companies in the Australian fintech ecosystem. Uh, so the new ecosystem map uh, aims to provide a comprehensive overview of the fintech within the market, uh, which follows past releases in 2022 and of September's regulatory and November's investor maps. Um, And it's important to note that the map is free for all to use. Um, So this map was launched uh, with a collaboration between Open Finance Advisors, Fintech Australia, FData ANZ, or FData ANZ, I'm not quite sure how you say that, and Open Finance ANZ. Um, And basically, this map focuses on the fintech industry's major player within Australia, uh, but also it allows uh, fintechs to add their businesses to the map. Uh, so you can log into the member-driven organization's website and register their details to ensure inclusion in the map, which I thought was a really key point. And um, essentially, it's just a really great resource and a further step in the, the Fintech Australia's mission in order to provide more resources in this type for the fintech sector. So you can use this map in conjunction with investor and regulator maps that they have and get a really rounded view of the ecosystem in Australia. And as well, it just it's very useful for other people, obviously, because they get to see what the ecosystem looks like and have a look at the fintech scene in Australia, which is a pretty booming hub, right? Um, I just thought this was a really cool thing for us to talk about today. Um, Resources like this are so important, I think, just to get an idea of the ecosystem and of the sector. I know we've done a lot of work previously at the Fintech Times, sort of examining these different ecosystems, these different places. What does the Fintech scene look like outside of perhaps your traditional hub, uh, like, you know, London or Silicon Valley? and, And we look outside of that. And having something like this for Australia is so valuable, I think, to, to obviously, in this very selfish point, to us as journalists, because it lets us have a really great view of what the scene is like. But I think just in general to the fintech industry, right? Like it's something that you can go and just have a completely clear view 
of everything that's going on, everyone that's active in that space. So if you're a fintech and maybe you are looking to collaborate with someone in Australia, you've got a nice list there. If you're a person that wants to maybe know a little bit more about fintech, you've got a nice list there of everything that's happening in Australia that you can go and have a look at. It's just, I personally think it's it's absolutely brilliant. And I think, again, on a selfish point of view, it'll make our job a lot easier when we're doing stories about Australia and, and everything else. Um, so what do you guys think? I mean, what do you think about the map in general? But also, do you think that more uh, ecosystems should make a similar map? You know, there's a lot of different organisations uh, similar to Fintech Australia, you know, like Fintech Wales off the top of my head. Um, and a bunch of other places that are just, you know, fintech countries. Do you think that more ecosystems should be making these maps to help make the fintech world a little bit more accessible and a little bit more, you know, I guess, viewable from from where you're standing? Uh, what do you guys think, uh, Francis? I really like it. I think it's a really cool, cool thing. And I think that, you know, like you said, from our standpoint as a journalist, it's great. But I think for even people looking to get into the market or looking to make partnerships or you know i think looking to see the competition whatever way you look at it i think it can benefit you one way or another and i just think that i don't even really think there's any too many negative sides here really i don't think anything's been given away i don't think anyone's really putting themselves at harm by being on this map and i think it's just a really like i said it's a really really cool way just to sort of see what australia has to offer and to see you know who who's there who's how to get involved how to how to make the most of the thriving ecosystem yeah absolutely and i think it's just something that's just so valuable to have like you say there's no negatives of having a list of fintech companies that are active and i think as well previously i know we've we've done um the middle east and africa report which looked at the ecosystem uh, in the middle east and africa obviously um, and a lot of the research on that was actually trying to find what fintechs are in the area. You know, what fintechs there? Are they intratechs? Are they paytechs? Who's around? So having this all in one place from that perspective just makes everything so much easier. But then it just makes it so much more accessible to everyone else as well. Like you're saying, just to get a really great view of the sector and what it looks like. So I think there's only benefits here, right? Tyler, what do you think? I really like this. I think it's really, really cool. It reminds me a little bit of like if Instagram's geolocation feature met LinkedIn sort of thing. I I think being able to visually see where everybody is and and also what's going on in other regions of Australia because of Australia is huge, isn't it? It's massive. I think it's I think it's really nice to see that it'll encourage the uh, fintech ecosystem in Australia, and I I particularly like how it's almost like a I hate to say it, but it's a bit like a social network in in certain ways, in that it you know you can add you can add a profile to it and people feel engaged and obliged to to add to it. So I think that's really really cool. Um, there's a lot going on in Australia, and it'll be really nice to see that these sort of like supporting features in the background I think it's really cool yeah absolutely I think yeah you've you've just got it there and Fintech Australia seems to be doing some really cool things right now with their ecosystem and obviously being a member-driven organization uh, it's nice to see that they're doing stuff to benefit their members and obviously but also benefit other people in Fintech as well so I think that's really cool um, but yeah, it's it's a really simple story to bring to the podcast today but I just thought it was really nice and really fun and I do hope we see a lot more 
ecosystems do a very similar thing. So I guess watch this space, right? But anyway, that brings us to the end of our discussion today. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more fintech news and insights, head on over to thefintechtimes.com where we have plenty more interesting stuff over there that you can read. Uh, But moving very quickly on, let's do what I learned this week. So each week, we learn so much new information about fintech being at the Fintech Times editorial team. So much stuff crosses our desks that we thought would be fun to share that with our listeners. Uh, So Francis, what did you learn this week? So this week, I learned that TSB Bank has launched two new pilot banking pods in Wigan and Wood Green in North London. And that a third TSB pod is set to launch in Luta later in the spring. And I think what really made this interesting is they're these semi-permanent structures containing a check-in area to meet and greet customers alongside a dedicated private space for customer meetings. So it was just like this portable bank almost. And I I just thought it was a really funny idea and this idea of like a pick-up-and-go bank. Um, And yeah, so there, there you go. That's what I learned this week. Awesome. I love it. Tyler, what did you learn this week? I learned that there is a shortage of people who are able to code cobalt in the banking industry. Uh, this was yeah, once again shared by Lida in her speech. What is coding in cobalt? I don't know, which is sort of a an emphasis of the problem, isn't it, really? Uh, she's, she said that a lot of... Um, a lot of more senior figures in, in the industry know how to do it, but apparently there's not many people available to replace them. So, yeah. What did you learn, Polly? Really interesting. Um, and yeah, I learned that the FCA blocked over 8,000 ads in 2022, which is 14 times higher uh, than it was required in 2021. And I just thought this was really interesting because uh, I know we've talked previously about sort of influencers and uh, popular consumer fintech so the idea that 8,000 over 8,000 ads were blocked by the FCA uh, due to sort of you know unregulated financial products or scammers or anything like that, that that's a lot so that is really interesting um, but anyway thank you so much uh, both of you for joining me once again on the podcast it's been great to chat with you Tyler you definitely need to go get some sleep after uh, coming back from Saudi but uh, thanks so much and I'll catch you on the next one yeah I'm gonna go and lie down now I think Uh, But yeah, catch you on the next one, guys. Have a good weekend. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversations using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times.